Welcome back to the Scottish Indie Music Podcast with Gareth Perry and Finlay MacDonald. In episode 5, we asked the question, where have you been all my life? And discussed some of the bands we've recently discovered and rediscovered. We also discussed the first records we ever bought, the effect that COVID-19 has had on our approach to writing and releasing music, as well as some of our favourite Scottish songs. I've never heard Jaffa Boys before. <laughs> this phrase popped into my head just last week. I've been in a kind of crate digging frenzy. Like we all do, we go through these phases where we want to hear new music. As you do, you can, it's so easy to discover things now. You discover artists who have been around for a while often, you go, ah, where have you been all my life? <laughs> so I thought of the idea of uh, maybe calling this section, where have you been all my life? And we shine a light on some artists who are new to us, but who perhaps everybody else knows about, you know, been around for ages or whatever. That's fine. And I think when you said as well to me about this, that we were going to try and keep, keep it at least two thirds on brand, having two of the bands Scottish and one of the band could be from anywhere else. I think that sounds a, a good way to do it. So, Well, I'll tell you what, why don't you kick us off? I'll give you my first one and then I'll hand over to you. So this one is actually a Scottish band or a duo. And I kind of did know about them before, but the thing is they changed their name recently, a couple of years ago, and I completely, they went off my radar completely. So they used to be called Happy Meals and they're now called Free Love. And I didn't know that they'd, they'd done this, so I just thought they'd kind of disappeared. But I've now discovered Free Love. I rediscovered them, you know. I just think they're absolutely brilliant. They're, they're from Glasgow. They're a duo, electronic duo. There's not a lot of electronic kind of people around. Male and female duo, I can't remember their names now, but they've got really interesting melodies and really strong sense of pop, whilst also being really kind of synth pop as well. And also they sing sometimes in French, which I love. It's like a Glasgow French thing going on. You know, I actually thought one of them was French, but she's not apparently. Free Love then. So that's my first one. I think they're brilliant. And I hope to hear more and more of their stuff as time goes on. Have you come across them? I've heard the name, although I'm more familiar with Happy Meals. So I did know that name as well. I cannot think we're from. I don't know whether it's just been on posters or if I've ever played with them or not, don't know. But they had one. Yeah, they did have a bit of a splash maybe about five years ago. Yeah, you could have ended up on the bill with them or something. I don't know, maybe they just felt that the name Happy Meals wasn't on brand for their sound and that's why they changed it. And to be fair, I think they're probably right. They're both pretty good names. They're completely they're different. They're both pretty good. They're both good. They're good, but I just... I, but, but it's a difficult thing to do because like, they went off my radar completely. Mm-hmm. And it must have happened to quite a lot of folk. It's really quite hard to get a new thing off the ground, as we all know. And that's essentially what you're doing when you change the name, isn't it? Yeah. So that's quite a good one. I do find that bands sometimes when they change their name, you're like, why did you do that? Definitely. But I felt, actually, that wasn't a bad move, apart from the fact that nobody knows who they are now. 
<laughs> but in terms of the name, I, I, I do think it's a better name for their music. It's that old gen about the Beatles isn't a good name, is it? But it's a brilliant name because you associate it with the Beatles. And they did have to avoid the inevitable lawsuit from McDonald's as well. So maybe that was the thing, because <laughs> McDonald's are quite litigious, aren't they? Certainly yeah. about their golden arches and all that kind of stuff. They'll be suing you for the surname next if you're not careful. Well, they've already tried to have a go at me, but there's too many of us. You see, <laughs> give us your one then, your first one. So I decided we were going to do a couple of Scottish bands. There was two that came to mind. And the first one was, and they've been around for a while as well, actually. And But they are still fairly new to me in that I knew of them. But I hadn't really listened to much of their stuff. I'd heard them now. I think I'd seen them a couple of times maybe before as well, just playing gigs on the same hmm. event and things. And that's the Just Jones. Oh, yeah. Well, I've heard of them. And I think I've heard their music along the way. I think I remember feeling good feelings about them as well. Actually, the two of my Scottish bands are quite similar in their styles as well, mm. whereas it's that mix of humour and tragedy in their music. Wow. Yeah. Great musicality, like beautiful melodies. <laughs> I don't know how to put this without sounding like I'm talking them down, because I'm not talking them down, because I think the style is great, but it's kind of like a dirgy Scottish... Well, dirgy's good. Dirgy's good. I think, that, I think that's a good thing. I'm not put off by the, the term dirge. Yeah, it's almost like poetry instead of singing, really. The first couple of albums were called Last Tango in Motherwell. Right. And right. Butt Class Bottles in the Rain. So there's an image for you. <laughs> yeah, that's good. It's like it's quite poetic and it's very, very, you can't get much more Scottish than that. Yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah. There was one thing, though, that really drew me to them, which was at a gig a few years ago. It was a Christmas gig. It was maybe about three or four years ago, and I was playing some Christmas songs. I think it was just Christmas songs. I can't remember the BMX Bandit songs, but it was just a the sort of band Douglas had put together for the night. And the Just Jones did some of their songs. They had a Christmas album called Seasonal Greet, I think it was called. Mm-hmm. So Greet having the double meaning as well. Of oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. And they had this song called Card from a Multipack. Right. Which was all about this guy who had split up with his girlfriend and that he knew that she didn't love him anymore because she just sent him a Christmas card from a multi-pack like you would do to <laughs> anybody. He'd like designed this beautiful card that quoted Fairy Tale of New York as well. And just the way that line's put in there is just absolutely brilliant. And I've heard the song since. It's great on record, but just seeing it live... If, you, if they play at Christmas, you have to go and see them and see them play this. That's great. I completely get it. And that is a really brilliant image and concept for a song. Mm. Love it. Yeah. Do you know where they got their name from? The One of the tabloid papers. It was like one of the problem, the um, agony. It was in the Daily Day for, for a long, long yeah. time. I always thought that was a great name, actually, as well, because of that. I recently followed the singer on Facebook. Now, she seems like a really quite interesting person, does a lot of different kind of art forms as well, not just the music. You've definitely piqued my interest there, and I'm going to check them out for absolute sure. What's your second one then? My second one is a band that I discovered 
I was doing that thing on Spotify where you sort of, uh, you know, fans also like. So I was looking for specific kinds of music. I was going down a kind of very Scottish route just to see what other local bands are out there that are good. But this band, Cloth, do you know Cloth? Yeah, uh -huh. yeah. Are they on Last Night from Glasgow? They are, yeah. I, and I found that out afterwards as well, that they're on Last Night from Glasgow. And I've just been getting really into their album. I think they've only got one album, I'm not sure, but their most recent one anyway. It was up for a Scottish Album of the Year award. To me, they sound, and they've got a song on it called Felt, which is interesting. I wonder if it's a homage to Felt. I, might, I imagine it must be. The name Cloth yeah. has that resonance as well. That kind of a dual clean guitar aesthetic, which I absolutely love, which Felt have got. A bit like Arab Strap as well. They've probably been compared to them, but without the depressing angle. <laughs> you know, if you take the depressiveness out of Arab Strap, that sound, but more optimistic, I think that, which I love. I love Arab Strap, but it can be a wee bit depressing, let's face it. Well, <laughs> <So. laughs> they've got a great sense of humour and all that, and I love yeah. Arab Strap. Yeah, Cloth, they've just got this rapport with the guitars. It's a very rare thing, and they could just sit down together, play live, and it would sound amazing if it was just the two of them, although they do play with a band as well. Fantastic. Love them. Your third one then, which I believe is not Scottish. I'm just on my second one. Well, you're on your second one, so yeah. <laughs> I did mention that the next one's quite similar to the first one. So. Ah, right, okay. So they'd be interested to know if you've heard of this band and in a similar style to the Just Jones, but I feel they're maybe not quite as well known. They're called Dumb Instrument. No, I'm not. I don't know. Their I don't know. Like, first came across them a few years ago, maybe about seven or eight years ago, at the Billy Kelly Songwriting Award, which I was helping out with at the Orin Moore. So it was like, there's maybe, I think there's three or four heats mm -hmm. for bands to impress the judges and then go through to the final. There was a couple of other good bands, but they were just, they had something on another level from the other bands that were there as well. And in mm -hmm. similar style to Just Jones, it was sort of really beautiful instrumentals and then this sort of Scottish call it a dirge again in a mm. in a complimentary way really beautiful poetic lyrics as well and again with a lot of humour and a lot of tragedy next in mm. again I've written down a couple of their titles I think probably their most well known song was, is called Suffering from Scottishness alright good one good one yep they've got one called again Buckfast gets another mention Buckfast Versus Hash, the battle continues. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Probably my favourite one. The song's about having ginger hair and freckles and basically about being bullied for it. And the chorus is, the chorus lyric is, don't give me a hacksaw because one day I will hacksaw off my Jaffa boz. All right. I've never heard that term before. I'll never unsee that image. Uh, <laughs> Lots of piano in it as well. That's one of the, the features. Uh, Which is a kind of juxtaposition. The, the I always wanted to play with them as well. I had them in mind that we'd get them for a launch or something at some point, but it just it never happens. So maybe one day I'll uh, get in touch I with them. I will need to tag them, won't we? And maybe we can make it happen. 
Yeah, I see their name come up now and again when people discover them and then say post on Facebook or so. This is this is absolutely brilliant. Why does nobody know about this? So there's a lot of people have had that moment of yeah. where have you been all my life with them? Aye, aye, aye. Oh no, definitely not be checking that out. I had a question which is not on my list of questions, but it was on my list. I took it off for another one, and it kind of like you've just answered it. I think it would have been what are you drawn to? What kind of uh, subject area, if you like, would you, you drawn to as a songwriter? And I think you've the two bands that you've chosen from Scotland gives me a kind of indication of what you like about songwriting, you know? The bands that have maybe played with or seen at that sort of size of venue that mm-hmm. maybe people wouldn't have known about, those are the two that have definitely stood out to me. Well, you've definitely played with a lot of Scottish bands, I'm sure, over the years. I'll be checking both of them out. And it's funny, I noticed the four bands that we've mentioned, each of the bands have had that sort of male-female focal point. They have. Interesting. So who's your non-Scottish one then? Right, my non-Scottish one, I just got really excited about it last week. I followed this feed on Instagram called Forced Exposure 2. They're actually a record shop, they're a distributor online rather than a record label, because they they feature lots of different labels. Really underground music comes out that's kind of quite contemporary, but loads of stuff that's been unearthed from the past and uh, from all over the world. And then a lot of reggae and things like that, that are like from, from the 70s and 80s, you know, reissued stuff. I've never heard of it, and quite, but I do quite like dub reggae, so I'll, I'll check some of that out. All sorts of different music as well. Anyway, this female singer called... Selda Bagan. I have no idea if I pronounced it right. Selda, S-E-L-D-A, B-A-G-C-A-N, Bagan, Bagan. I don't know how to pronounce it. She's a folk singer and guitarist, and she plays with a band as well. And she's been doing it since 1971. She's Turkish, and it's basically Turkish kind of folk psychedelia. I'm not even sure what language she's speaking, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> it features electric guitars, psychedelic electric guitars. It's got synth parts, and it's got kind of groovy bass lines, and it's also got that kind of folk drone thing that folk music has. The album I f- that I found that I really loved is from 1976. It's just called Zelda. You get everything on Spotify or you know streaming. And then she's got such a powerful voice. The way you're describing it, the synths and everything, that's quite unusual to hear that with that kind of music. But mm. do you not think we, we must have missed out on so much of that kind of music that's just absolutely beautiful? And just because we're so focused on ourselves, I mean, we are quite lucky with a lot of great music from, from Britain and America. We never really go seeking that sort of stuff out, but there must be so much of it that's just waiting there to be discovered. Oh, yeah. And I got down a kind of rabbit hole with Turkish psych after listening to her and there's loads of stuff from Africa as well and I've not even begun to look at that yet. It's great that now people are actively trying to reissue this stuff. There must be absolutely mountains of it all over the world, you know. If somebody's going to the bother of reissuing it, Mm -hmm. then there's a good chance it's going to be of a great standard. Talking about discovering new stuff, I've discovered so much stuff from parts of the world that I probably would never have discovered them from, purely from trying to find samples, um, royalty-free 
for, oh. <laughs> to use in my own stuff because I'm trying to, f- it's almost like links between tracks so that the album I'm working on just now, so the songs are still standalone, but then there'll be little links yes. between them, stuff like that. Uh-huh. There's just been a few albums recently I've heard that I quite like that in, so I wanted to try yeah. and, and do that myself. Oh, yeah, just like wartime Sri Lankan f- big band music and stuff like that. That's crossed my mind, but it's good that you're actually actively doing that. So you've come across some good stuff then. Yeah, just from everywhere. And it's amazing some of the stuff that you find that NASA occasionally release just audio from their flights. Wow. As royalty-free files. Amazing. There must be some purpose for that, that people use it for things. I don't know if it's like school projects or whatever it is. There's just so many places just random places you would never think of drop audio files into so the public they got, domain they got royalty free are they just like released it because they've just because it's not 75 years old if it's nasa necessarily it's probably like what 30 40 50 years old but they just released it yeah it actually weirdly links into my third one which is mm-hmm. actually a band that almost rediscovered they disappeared for a long time and reappeared in my life again probably the band i've listened to most over the past couple of years is the avalanches Uh and they had an album out in 2001 i think it was Mm -hmm. it was called since i left you and it had the famous video for frontier psychiatrist that had a bit of everything in it the choir were ghosts there was an old man or on a a turtle's body and (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this kind of stuff going on. Um, it, was it the most sample, the record with the most samples ever at the time or something? The album was probably different, but that song, Frontier Psychiatrist, which was probably the the, the one that everybody remembers from that time, I'm pretty sure it was only two albums. They didn't have a complete nightmare trying to get it, it the copyright yeah. path sample yeah. cleared. I mean, somebody told me recently that, you know, a record like Paul's Boutique, just couldn't be made now, you know, the Beastie Boys, because it's got like Beatles and everything and all sorts of things on it. I think it's the reason, or part of the reason, as well as being perfectionists, that it took them 16 years to release their second album, Mm -hmm. which came out in 2017, which was called Wildflower. And that was really the one that caught my attention. Mm -hmm. The first song I heard from it was called Frankie Sinatra, and it had this... A quite playful baseline going on, a video that was a little bit reminiscent of the one from the first album. Mm-hmm. And it was all this, these people getting addicted to this toxic drink that was bright yellow. Right. And ends up killing them all. And But there was some really beautiful songs on that album. When I heard the album, a song called Because I'm Me, which is kind of hip hop. And there was one called If I Was a Folk Star, which is kind of dancey, a bit more that kind of chill out dance music. Mm. Just really excellent use of samples throughout as well. They had a new album out. I can't remember if it came out the tail end of last year or the start of this year, but they'd been drip feeding singles for most of last year. So you're maybe getting one or two songs every couple of months. So third half the album by the time it came out. And there was this song on it, We Will Always Love You, which is sampled from the start of the Smokey Robinson track, I'll Take You Any Way That You Come. Mm -hmm. And that's been mixed with the Hammond song by the Roches, the Roches, Roches, and just two beautiful songs in their own right and come together absolutely perfectly. Mm. 
And then I think they got Blood Orange on there doing some fresh vocals on it as well. And that was my most listened to song last year, according to Spotify. So I thought that was a good one to bring up. Again, another thing I will definitely be checking out. They did a wee tour off the back of Wildflower, but I don't think they came to Scotland. Mm. I think they played down south. So what did they do? They just play as a band, yeah? Just play. Well, you see, that's the thing. There's only two of them. And I, I always worry about these kind of gigs because I've seen a few groups that I like that are sort of DJs. Yeah. That sort of thing. And it never quite lives up to the record. So yeah, like I'd seen Chemical Brothers or DJ Shadow or some stuff like that. I never find it's as good live. It's a hard thing to pull off unless they kind of get a band together, you know. If you're gonna go on and just play the backing track and do a few things over it. Yeah, I'm said that I'm probably to... gonna do that live streaming quite quite soon. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I'm gonna call it workspace karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> It's not going to be my live set, but I'm going to try it maybe once for streaming just to promote a few songs, you know. Yeah. You should wait till we're in level zero and lockdown's over, and that would be the, the ironic time to do a live stream gig. That's pretty much what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'll wait till everybody's stopped doing it. Yeah. And then I'm going to totally get into it. Yeah. Wait till the market's clear and <laughs> nobody's yeah. doing it. Exactly. Yeah. Will we go on to do a couple of questions then? I have mine in front of me. Let's see. I have just got two. I thought I had three, but I've only got two. But I'll pick my two favourites out of this then. The first one that I've got is what is the first record you bought, single or album or both? The first single or album that I actually bought with my own money. Yeah. It's quite a hard one, I think, to remember. Uh, I need to kind of trace back my thoughts. So, like, I shared the thing on Facebook recently, the supergroups, um, which I've got here. Uh, that, was, that was given to me, age six. It's a compilation. It's a really amazing compilation. Uh, of, it's a bonkers compilation, actually. And then my brother gave me a se- seven-inch single of Seven Seas of Rye by Queen because I got really into Queen after Bohemian Rhapsody. What was the first record I actually bought with my own money? Um it must have been Queen. That's what I've got totally into. Uh, a Night at the Opera. Yeah, that must be it. Because that would have been... Because it had Bohemian Rhapsody on it. I subsequently got all their albums, first eight albums or something. But yeah, that, I think it must have been A Night at the Opera by Queen that I actually paid for with my own money. Yeah, my own pocket money saved up for, you know. That's not a bad one. Oh, it's great. It's a great album. Do you know the album? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. That was my, my daughter got into Queen after, like so many kids after the film. So I was, uh, you know, she, like she's listening to the kind of classic songs on Spotify, whatever, the most famous ones. So I said to her, right, download A Night at the Opera and A Day at the Races. And I did it for her on her phone. So just listen to these two albums. And she did. And then... She got totally immersed in Queen for a, a couple of years. Like she, she learned to play Bohemian Rhapsody and a good few more on the piano and things like that. Just really, really. She can tell you every song in their catalogue, probably. You know, I've noticed that, and I don't know if it's because of the Bohemian Rhapsody film and Mamma Mia as well. Mm-hmm. But there seems to be a whole new generation of Queen and ABBA fans. Oh yeah, I think kids just. 
they've got a great kind of um, way of looking back on the past and just taking the good stuff and then not being bogged down by all the nonsense that, that we were because we lived through it and stuff. Mm-hmm. But is it cool? Is yeah. it not cool? And this and that and the next thing. Well, will I tell you my first record then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go for it. So I don't actually remember the first album I bought, but I can remember the first single I bought. And it technically wasn't with money, but it was with an hour price voucher that my brother had given me for my birthday. So it's kind of the same thing. Same thing. You're, yeah. It's you're the closest mean, thing to money you have as a eight or nine year old or whatever it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'll probably remember it. And I wonder if you've ever met this guy. It was the guy Whitetown. Um, the woman. What's his, what's his name again? Because I saw him cropped up recently on um, Twitter. Jyoti Mishra. Yeah, yeah, Jyoti Mishra. Yeah. That's a great record. I love that. Yeah, really cool. And again, it's got the sample in it as well. And the this sort of war What is that sample? I did know it at one point. I can't, I, I can't remember the name of the, the tune, but it's one of those sort of gramophone. Uh-huh. Sort From of old... things. Yeah. You know who uses it again in recent times, very recent times? I, I heard this somewhere. I heard it prop up. I can't remember who it was. Dua Lipa. Was it? It's on oh. one of our last singles or recent singles. My youngest daughter is now crazy about Dua Lipa. I have right. to say I do like her. Right. So does it sample... The White Town song, or does it just reuse the sample that he used? That I do not know. It's just that bit. Well, you think you get weighed in with it. Yeah. Because it was a pretty big hit for Hang. It was number one record. It was. Well, like, you made it like, on, a, on a home studio with using cassettes and all sorts of really primitive gear. and Really quite interesting the way you made it, I remember at the time. Yeah. Did he do it on, was it like a Spectrum or something like that he made it on? I know he used a cassette tape and he deliberately used the cassette to get a bit, uh, a kind of more bassy bottom end on it and things. Four track recorder, perhaps some other digital gear as well, I'm not sure. Or did he sample it on a Spectrum? I don't know if it, it would have been around that time, maybe the Spectrum was sort of at the tail end of its its mm. popularity, but they, I guess the, the Commodore 64 was cassette. Mm-hmm. So it could have been something like that. I don't know how its musical capability, but I'm sure if you knew what you were doing with sort of programming stuff, you could do something with it. That'd be really interesting. I'm sure he's the kind of guy that if you sent him a message, he would just tell you exactly what he did. I'm sure, he, yeah, I'm sure he would. And he's also a big fan of BMX Bandits, I remember. All right. No, that's cool. Yeah, he's sort of very, very unlikely just person to have a number one hit in the mid 90s. I've seen the way he speaks about it as well and how he sort of doesn't shun it. He's not one of these guys that's like, oh, but you've, you've not heard my other stuff. Yeah. Um, he's just like, yeah, you'll probably know me because I had a number one hit in 1996 with your woman. Yeah, that, I think that's his Twitter kind of um, pitch, you know, it's just like, yeah, wait down, you know, it's a, uh, you know, your woman, whatever, mm-hmm. I'm that guy. <laughs> 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 Yeah, I follow him on Facebook and then whenever they, I think he had a new album out in the last couple of years and we had videos for quite a lot of them that were pretty cool. I'm quite pleased with that as a first song to have got 
I could only have got it at that point after my birthday where I got an outprice voucher because yeah. it was only there yeah. for a couple of weeks or whatever it was. Oh, that's so, a great one. It's a great one. And it, and great it, I, I like how it's sort of informed. I like to think it's maybe informed your future uh, path in music, you know, being a sort of DIY artist and all that kind of stuff. And quite <laughs> kind of, uh, Who knows? Individualistic in your approach to pop, maybe. I don't know. I remember the front cover of the singles. I think it was an error message that he'd got constantly while he was trying to program this song. Ah, right, okay. I've always, I think it was just when I was brought up and my big brother is a, a programmer. I just like that cover as well. It's just a white background. It's like green font of an error message on the front of a number one single. Maybe that is where my love of DIY and does it go? It could just be that I've got no friends and I'm really antisocial. Well, I think we're all in the same boat now, aren't we? Everybody's doing music all by themselves now. The thing I love, I really remember that I really miss is the, the, the mixtape, you know, the actual real mixtape. Because, you know, you used to, you'd have a decent cassette deck and you would record for a compilation from both CD and vinyl, but you would pump the levels to their optimum on the cassette and they had this tape compression. And everyone would come out doing what Spotify does now, actually compressing everything to sound the same level. But you're doing it on cassette, you're doing it on tape, and it just sounds great. Everything's so beefy and warm, you know? I really miss that about cassettes. But will I give you my first question? Yeah. Have we only done one question? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, There was a lot of mileage in that one. There was indeed. I'm going a bit broader than than I usually probably would. How do you think the world of music will change after the pandemic? It's certainly changed a lot in the last year. I don't I'm know really. what's I, going to happen after once we so-called get back to normal. Will it? Go yeah. back? I, don't, I don't think much will change. Uh-huh. But I think that people over the last year have probably learned a lot of things they wouldn't have otherwise. Mm. Like... It's almost like an awareness that you can just actually do anything you want and just chuck it up online, as opposed to having this process that we're so used to mm-hmm. of making an album and putting it out, trying to get a al- uh, label involved or whatever it is. Playing gigs as part of that process. I don't see that changing in any way, really. I think there will be a bit of an appetite for that. But I think there's other ways of doing things. Like if you've got something to promote, you can do a live stream and... Yeah. It's quite straightforward. You can yeah. set it up any way you want. There's lots of different ways you can do live stream as well. I think, I think that's something that will still be around afterwards. Mm-hmm. Certainly from my point of view, that sense of collaboration and it just the, I would like to do a lot more of that because I've really enjoyed doing that. There's a couple of people that's going to be on my new album that probably wouldn't have happened mm. if... I hadn't seen them putting stuff up online or was recording from home all the time. Yeah. You can see there's a lot more possibility out there, even in times when you're restricted in what you can do. So mm. when we go back to uh, whatever normal is, then there's a lot more options than we had before there that we're aware of anyway. There'll be all these new things that we've discovered we can do. If you think just over a year ago, I hadn't even heard of this thing that we're recording this on just mm. now. And now we use it every day in life. We know how it works. I don't think I've got anything 
much to add to that because I think you probably said more or less what I kind of think as well. I mean, no, we don't know. Nobody knows, really. Interesting point, though, from what you've said, that you've found that you're collaborating a lot more as a result of the the pandemic. And I kind of feel that I've done the opposite. I've, I've gone, like, completely this isolated, working on my own musician, more than I, I have done for probably ever, really. I'm liking it, and I'm, I'm wanting to do more of it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm, I'm, doing, I'm not collaborating, and I'm, you know, I'm sure it will collaborate again in different ways, you know. Quite interesting. Yeah, I think it's maybe when I get, like, some things I've been, I've sailed through and I've got songs done and I found them no problem. I think it's when I hit a problem where I think, how am I going to finish this off? Or I don't like the way my voice sounds on this. Mm-hmm. I want to see what somebody else comes up with. Apart from the, the polychromes, which is a bit of a, a back and forth, but everything else that I'm doing for my own stuff, it's, if I'm stuck, I'll chuck it to somebody else. Yeah, see what, where they can take it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the, with the smart set, then we'll have different singers, or will you be singing? Will you still be the singer in that? The majority. There are a couple of songs that'll have different singers, though. Really? Mm-hmm. I've finished my album. Amazing. That must feel I have, good. I have a plan for it. There's going to be a, an album, and there's going to be a single soon. But you know, talk about that another time. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually <laughs> thinking I'd like to do a, a live stream. Um, but also, I was thinking that could be a good thing to collaborate on. Like, you know, like a live stream uh, gig where you play and I play, we do it together, just like this kind of thing. Yeah, uh, that'd be great. That'd be really, really cool. Yeah, mm. definitely. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> uh, watch this space, etc. Yeah. So, have we dispensed with that then? With the, yeah. The I'll, yeah, I'll ask you something else just now. So, your favourite Scottish songs? Brilliant. Love that question. Right off the top of my head, then, I'm going to see Jerry Rafferty. Love Jerry Rafferty. And he's got one which is, and I love Baker Street. I think I did a post about that recently on Facebook. He's got one called Don't Think of My Heart. It's off his 1983 album or something. I can't remember what it's called. I think it's called Don't Think of My Heart. It's just a beautiful, very McCartney-esque kind of melody. He's got millions of brilliant songs. You can just go through his playlist. Actually, you know, the next thing that's popped into my head is kind of songs my mum used to sing when she was a solo singer and with the McDonald sisters back in the late 60s, early 70s when I was a kid going to gigs, their gigs, hanging out backstage. She had a couple of records out. I used to listen to her records. So um, some of the Gaelic songs, as sung by the McDonald sisters, would be right up there for me because they were great arrangements of timeless songs. So I'm going to give you a third one. I think Proclaimers, Letter from America, is an absolutely amazing Scottish song. It makes me cry thinking about it, actually. It's just so well done. It's a beautiful melody. And uh, the way it brings history and current times together in such a kind of clever way, it's just amazing. They're my favourite Scottish songs, I'd have to say. Good question. I should have put more thought into this because I only really thought about it before we came on. But the the ones that sprung to mind was uh, a Proclaimers one for me as well, Sunshine on Leaf. 
Oh yeah. It's just uh, there's some magic in it there. Is that on the same album? Not sure. Jerry Rafferty produced their first big album anyway. They talk about it in the interviews and stuff like that. That was one of those ones that never caught me at first. And then I remember seeing, a, it was a cup final, Hibs, I think Hibs played Livingston, I think it was, and Hibs mm-hmm. won one of the cups. Mm-hmm. And all the stadium, or the half of the stadium that was Hibs fans all started just singing Sunshine on Leaf together. And it was like one of those spine tingling moments. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just totally got it. I, yeah. I know what you mean. I've had moments with that where you really that kind of experience where it makes you really get a song. He he was talking about it in an interview, uh, saying that he had the melody for a long time, and he took ages to kind of find the right lyrics for it. And then it was flying over, I think he was flying over Edinburgh, and they saw sunshine sparkling on the water or something like that. It just like popped in his head. That's uh, a r- really beautiful tune. Really good. So. Yeah, the other one that sprung to mind was I really like the Average White Band. They're really cool. And the one that we recently have been listening to most is Cut the Cake. Do I know it? Is it well-known? It's probably one of the more well-known ones. Because, I mean, I know the famous one. Pick Up the Pieces and Let's yeah. Go Round Again. They're the, the two that are probably the most well-known. Let's yeah, Go Round was, was that the Average White Band? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, that's amazing. I did not know that it was them. Yeah. <laughs> amazing record, is it? But they were so great. I mean, they were like really respected, even by like proper black funk artists from America and all that, weren't they? All the yeah. legends thought they were great. It's like Tayside they're from, isn't it? Perth or Dundee or something like that, yeah. Yeah. They sound very authentic for the style of music they're going for. They don't sound like a bunch of blokes from the seventies and a Scottish band did it you know <laughs> playing in a from a small Scottish town Sterling <laughs> Miners Club or something like that <laughs> some of my friends like they say oh here you're like if we're talking about Scottish bands I bring them up and everybody's like what they're not Scottish uh, so cut the cake the other one that came to me I'm sure I'm missing some here like that would be really glaringly obvious but the other one that just came to mind was uh, Magic by Pilot oh Amazing, love pilot. And there's so many that I'll probably think of now, but yes, great. I mean, they've got loads of great songs as well, but that, that one just came on the other day and it's like instantly in a good mood as soon as you it hear really it. Is. It's used in the end of a, I think it's Happy Gilmore. That's it, yeah. It's in the, yeah. <laughs> My daughter, we used to watch it on holiday all the time because we left the DVD and, you know, up in Lewis. It's a brilliantly arranged, perfect pop record, isn't it? Every note really packs a punch. So it's just a great pop song, isn't it? Yeah. And and January's great as well. Aye. So interesting, we both mentioned the Proclaimers as well. There's something very Scottish about them, I suppose. (laughs) There really is. (laughs) They've done that brand probably better than anybody else. Yeah. I've heard Stuart Cosgrove on the radio say that when he was working at the NME that I think it was Pat Nevin actually, the footballer who I know he did DJing, but I think he worked I don't know if he was doing reviews or if he was writing articles or something for the NME. So Pat Nevin gave this tape to Stuart Cosgrove and said, You gotta to listen to this and it was the Proclaimers. I don't know what so I think he's mentioned in a letter from America. He was dreading listening to it. He's like Ugh, this is going to be rubbish, I'm going to hate this and it's going to make me feel bad because they're Scottish and 
uh-huh. and then he's into like so like northern soul. It was in the eighties, very much so. He loved it, and he just said like it totally broke the mold of everything that he was into and stood for in his tastes. And he absolutely mm-hmm. loved the Proclaimers ever since. Aye, aye. No, no, it's definitely that kind of song. It can change your kind of opinion around, yeah. Because I was probably a little bit sceptical about them before then as well. I've got a story about Stuart Cosgrove, but it's too long for this episode. I'm going to maybe keep it for another time. It's about my first adventure into the world of pop. Let's put it that way. I'm going to keep it to another time. Let's let's just, uh, yeah. Have we done all the questions? I asked you one, and I've still got another one to ask. Oh, so, how were you affected by the death of David Bowie? <laughs> so, I, th- I was—I thought you were going to say Prince Philip. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd think it was someone else. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> I think you can tell from my reaction how deeply I've been affected by the death of Prince Philip. Uh, no, I, I, that, that is pretty funny that you, that flashed through your mind that he's <laughs> actually going to ask me that. So David Bowie, yeah. I, you know, Bowie was one of those guys I came to a bit later on. He was, You know how sometimes there's people and you're just like, what am I not really getting in this that other people are, like so many other people are getting? And then I did eventually get that. I think it was something like Sound and Vision. I was just like, that's amazing. And then that led me on to something else. And mm. then now I realise all those things I'd known for years, like Life on Mars, all that were just like, absolute masterpieces. I wouldn't say it affected me any more than any any other of my heroes, because I know there was quite a big reaction to it and there was quite an outpouring. I guess it was maybe because it was so unexpected. But... I think the thing that sort of affected me, if you would say, was that he did keep it a secret, knew it was coming, and his final piece of art was about his demise, basically. Mm. And I think even just the timing of that happening, because did the album not come out three days before? Yeah, it was, it was, yeah. And it, So it was almost like the sort of ultimate work of art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I remember there was a video from Kelvin Grove of the, the organist playing. He just did right. it on the day. Life and I, that, that kind of got me a little bit. That made me a bit yeah. emotional seeing that. That was amazing, yeah. 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 But yeah, I'd say that side of it more than any of my, my hair. Because you know, that kind of happens. If you're into music from the, the 60s and that sort of era, there's, there's a lot of your heroes have died by now already. So mm-hmm. you sort of get used to it a little bit as you go. But there's definitely the reaction to it was probably quite special, I think. The pouring of love for him. What about you? Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, see, that's something that I've kind of liked him since I was a kid. But I wouldn't say I was like a super fan, you know. I mean, I, 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 like you, I got into a lot of his stuff later on in life. Hunky Dory was probably the first one I really got into me in my 20s or whatever and then I only quite recently got into Ziggy Stardust actually it was one of these albums that kind of like oh, I didn't really get it as much in the Britpop era because uh, I felt it was like very much a de rigueur in the, in, in the Britpop era and I kind of just avoided it but now I just love it you know I, I, I totally get it you know 
my first thing I got into was and a kid of 10 years old was Ashes to Ashes that came in the charts mm-hmm. and it was like wow amazing that video and everything and it's still probably my favourite song by but the thing about Bowie right for me is I felt that his death was a thing which unleashed a lot of creativity in the world and for me changed my whole way I think about music and the way I approach music it's been a kind of liberating thing for me creatively because I, I feel like a lot bolder about just doing something really different and not worrying about what people think about it or is it allowed and when he died everybody started talking about how you know he changed all the time and that being a brilliant thing Whereas I remember very clearly that he used to get slagged off for that a lot. You know, he used to get slagged off for being theatrical. He used to get slagged off for being changeling and whatever and not being authentic or whatever. And and then suddenly, like what always happens when somebody dies, suddenly they can do no wrong. Everything (laughs) they did, everything they did and said was brilliant. (laughs) But that's that's a really good thing because it suddenly made it you know, a good thing to just go, like, you know, I'm going to do something really new. So I think it's opened up my creativity. Well, I think that's as good a, as anything you could possibly take from it, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Confidence to do that. Absolutely. You know, funny what you were saying there about Bowie, how he got slated for it at the time, because I heard an interview with Paul McCartney talking about McCartney 3. So I can't remember who it was that was interviewing him, but he said... And you sort of were the trailblazer of the, the DIY album with McCartney and McCartney 2. Yeah. And especially McCartney was just like, you did it at home. It was quite experimental. And it's really kind of paved the way for what bands are still doing today. He's like, that's funny because at the time everyone said it was a piece of crap. <laughs> <laughs> was that McCartney said that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. And yeah, and I can imagine probably a lot of folk did because it came out about maybe about the same time as Abbey Road. Yeah. I think the first album, the first McCartney was 1970 or was it 69? Like yeah. There's a melody on it which is yeah. actually the same melody as on one of the songs in Abbey Road. He's recycled it, but I yeah. love that McCartney album. Fantastic. Just a yeah. great kind of vibe about it. You can just you can feel that, you know, recording an eight-track, him and Linda and the farm and all that, and you can just kind of sense the circumstances that we recorded in. Yeah, it's really, it really is a good album, really nice tunes on it. Yes, I got maybe I'm Amazed on it as well. Yeah. yeah one of his big, spectacular, great songs. Yeah. The second one was a bit more experimental. I think it was maybe about 10 years later. Which, again, is a brilliant album as well. It's got that temporary secretary. Yeah. Really insane but brilliant record. It's like, wow. That was a good question, actually. There's not really been a reaction like that to anybody's death other than him, because I think even Michael Jackson and that, although he's got super, super fans, but I think collectively in the sort of music world, they seem to sort of universally loved, I think. I've never really heard anybody say they hate David Bowie. No, no, it's true. It's not like he sort of splits the critics, you know, like, you know, like Queen or something, or you know, or even like the Clash in our band, I really you know, so many people I know hate the Clash, but so many people you either love them or you hate them. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people who don't like the Beatles or 
Paul McCartney or whatever as well. Yeah, not so many, but yeah, there are definitely quite a few. Yeah, they're usually the old punks, and they're stuck in that <laughs> punk dogma. You're not allowed to be like, like too nice, too melodic. <laughs> Aye, ah, brilliant, good stuff. Until the next time. Yeah, until the next time when I probe Finlay about his Stuart Cosgrove story. Yeah, yeah, I must put that down in the diary. I look forward to that. Me too, me too. It's going to be a good one. Right, listeners, see you next time. Bye.